Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I only see a storm coming. I've cheated. I was a make-out slut. Made out with Sheena like Vegas. No one even knows that. What? My feelings never mattered to you. It was one case. I missed who he used to be to me. You make out as if this is fun. It hasn't been fun. You want me yeah. to end your life under my name? Nothing in this group ever stays a secret. You want to know what happened? I don't know what the future for me and Tom looks like. <laughs> to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup and our Welcome to Plathville finale recap. But I will be talking about the premiere of Southern Hospitality on Bravo, but just very briefly before we get into Plathville, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. How are we doing? How are we doing? I'm doing wonderful. Maybe I... Maybe I'm looking at some merch proofs and I'm very excited because they're so cute, but I don't know when it's going to come out. So, you know, more on that later. But I do want to tell you guys, I had been talking about this on the Sister Wives episodes, but I know that you guys don't all listen to those. So I just wanted to say that I'm going to beg for something real quick, but it's free. So don't worry about it. You guys, it would be my greatest Christmas wish if you guys could all follow me on Instagram at everyone's business but mine. Here's my thing. Can we just be real for a second? Like, just be real. I'm a podcaster, a quote-unquote content creator, a chronically, criminally online person. Social media is something that I don't take very seriously as like a an outlet for my career, but I, I'm going to have to start. The beginning of that would be to get more followers. 
And that's just kind of how the game works. So I'm going to have to play the game, but I'm going to try to play it well. So if you could give me a follow at everyone's business but mine, I'll try not to annoy you. But it'll really be helpful for me. Like, I know that, like, so many of you guys really reach out and are like, you know, maybe you can't afford the Patreon or something like that. Or maybe you want to give, like, a one-time donation. But this actually would be the greatest currency of all. And it's free. Just hit the follow. I would really, really appreciate that. And if you didn't get the name, it's just the same name as the podcast. Everyone's business but mine. Okay. It's a long one. But you'll see. You'll know it when you see it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. But you should, like, if you want to sign up for the Patreon, you can do that too. Last two weeks, I've been talking about the uh, Love Has One Mother God documentary on HBO Max. Yikes. That was a fun conversation. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about Paris in Love. And we have exciting things coming up. I'm excited. That's why I called it exciting. Should we just talk about the episode? I I can't sell myself. I'm not kidding. (laughs) But let's get into it. We're just a quick pop culture segment this week. Our Can I Get a Hell Yeah for this week is going to none other than Andrew Shu and Mary Lee Feebig. Or Feibig. I'm not sure. Either one of y'all, shout out to you guys. So let's just go back just almost exactly a year ago in time. Wayne's World style to Good Morning America 3. It's a light-skinned man and a blonde woman who seemed to have a lot of chemistry on camera. And then we find out that TJ Holmes and Amy Roback have some chemistry in the sheets because people discovered that they were smashing, which is weird because they were fully married to two people. Amy to actor Andrew Shue. Yeah, that one. And TJ to Mary Lee Feebig. Now, I have to remind you guys that during the discovery phase of this new relationship, there was a look back further into time in which TJ had wished his wife a, I believe this was either a happy birthday or Mother's Day uh, post online in which he basically told on himself and was like, I have put this woman through hell. She's really been through it. Thanks for sticking beside me, babe. Love you. Red heart emoji. And then we find out that he and his co-host Amy, again, you hear that? So that's interesting. They both got fired from their jobs. Um, it had come out that TJ was out there swinging his little dangling. To a few people down to uh, NBC. Was it ABC? ABC. Yeah. ABC. And, you know, interns. Oh, not interns. I don't think this was like a abusive power situation. I think he may have actually been banging somebody higher up than him. That's neither here nor there. Just know that TJ has a history of not being able to keep it in his pants. But that's Amy's problem. But that's also not why we're here. They just came out with a podcast last week. Creatively called the Amy and TJ podcast. That won't be confusing. Um, And they debuted their first episode. Two people who allegedly don't want to get in the drama of their relationships. Talking about their relationship and how the timeline of it all worked out. This doesn't really matter. They basically said that they were in the divorce proceedings when they... Well, TJ keeps using the term outed. 
Straight people, listen, hear my cry, okay? As a fellow, shut the fuck up. You guys, we don't get to use outed or love, love has, uh, love is love or <laughs> love has won any of those terms that were adopted by the LGBT community to talk about separate things. You guys, us finding out that y'all were fucking on the low is not being outed. Okay? To be clear, we were outed as being in a relationship. That's not what that means, babe. He says we were outed as being in a relationship, but everyone else thought we were being outed as adulterers, being outed as cheating on our spouses. And it wasn't the case because the odd thing is the day those pictures were taken and the day the article was released, we were both at that point in divorce in that we were both at that point we were in. (laughs) We both at that point were in divorce proceedings. There we go. And Amy says, yeah, we had attorneys, mediators. We were in the middle of divorces. Okay, fine. Whatever. The great thing is. The same day that their debut episode of their podcast dropped, somebody went down to page six and then to people to confirm that Mary Lee, TJ's ex-wife, and Andrew Shu, Amy's ex-husband, are now dating each other. Hell yeah. <laughs> and frankly, they won. Because I want to say, like, no shade, but shade. They're definitely the better looking in in the situation of their previous couples. So the fact that y'all are now joined together in this holy mess, damn, double homicide. Like, y'all really ate that, and I appreciate that. I love it. So page six says that they had been dating, they've been dating for about six months after bonding over the traumatic experience of being cheated on and it being all public and all of that. So shout out to them. Andrew, she was hot, you guys. Shout out to him. Shout out to you, Mary Lee. Now, they came out with another episode today and they addressed this but didn't want to address this in the way that people who love drama but are like, I hate drama. I hate being involved in drama. It's that kind of thing. So TJ, again, took the lead on this one. And he's a little bit concerning to me because I'm not hearing this podcast. So maybe I'm missing out on like their real dynamic. That is fair. But it seems like based on these two articles that I've read, the TJ likes to be the spokesperson of the relationship and, and Amy's just like doo-wop pop hopping in the background. She's like, yeah. Right? So TJ said this episode this week, we absolutely anticipated that that was going to happen. Meaning, like, he's, he said that he didn't want to talk about the drama, but this is him addressing it. That it came out. That they were dating, right? But this place, this podcast, this platform is not and will never be. We are committed to a place that is not going to be about gossip. It's not going to be a place where we clap back at headlines. We're not going to get into that back and forth game because gossip is toxic. Okay. So then he goes on to say, today we are here, we're happy, we're healthy, we're grateful, and we're so touched by the response, and we're onward and upward. To which Amy says, we certainly are. (laughs) Okay. Okay. They basically accused, but not accused it of, um, of, uh, Mary Lee and Andrew of like planting stories and being tactical with 
regard to how they got that information out. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe even lends credence to the whole we were divorced thing that you're going with. They're pissed off. And they were like, you know what? We should come up and say that we're dating the day that these two chuckleheads come out with their podcast. Petty. Hilarious. Hilarious. I love that. (laughs) I really, really do. Everybody is fucking... Last week came out with the, like, one after the other confirmations about the most random pairings that you could ever think. Lupita Nyong'o and Joshua Jackson. Which, that one I'm keeping my eye on, like a squinty eye on, because I don't know, something about that feels weird to me. Mm, I don't know. And then Jewel and Kevin Costner. Huh? What? (laughs) Wait? Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. I always think that, like, maybe energetically, I, I mix up Jewel and um, um, Renee Zellweger. And I know that they don't, they're not in the same industry at all. And I know, like, I know the difference. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that, like, energetically, they gave off the same vibe. Because when I saw that picture of Jewel and Kevin Costner, I'm like, why isn't she with... um? That country singer who Renee Zellweger has not been with in like over a decade now. (laughs) Kenny, not Kenny Chesney. The one that it came out, she like filed fraud and everybody was like, oh, is that because you guys weren't fucking? That guy. What happened to him? I don't care. Anyway, let's move on. Y'all, the Vanderpump Rules trailer. Woo! You know that it's hard to... (laughs) I don't know why I sing it. I have to. I have to. It's my civic duty. I'm just going to get to the um, highlights because y'all know I'm going to talk about this shit exhaustively when the premiere comes, when the season premieres on January 30th. But what were the bangers? I mean, we already knew this. Ariana and Tom are still living together. Although there's some, I'm not sure that they are anymore. I've heard two different things. Which I guess is probably what can I ex- what I can expect from Ariana and Sandoval, uh, truth, and whatever Sandoval's saying. So she said on Watch What Happens Live that over the time of her filming Dancing with the Stars, she had gotten an Airbnb. So she really wasn't at the house. They both own it, obviously. She's trying to keep the house. Or no, no, no. She said she's trying to sell the house, but she hinted very strongly that Sandoval is like the holdout to that and there are lawyers involved and she would like to hear back from his lawyer about that so we can get get this done and dusted um he though i heard said that he doesn't live at the house anymore and also he tried to throw ariana under the bus by saying that he had been paying all the bills and that she was six she's making all this money and she's six six months behind on the mortgage and it's like okay and if she was, probably a fuck you to you. Like, we, we all know that she's got the dough for it. So I don't know why you're acting like what you're trying to suggest here. But I don't believe that. But maybe she was like, I'm not here, so I'm not paying. I don't know. Whatever it is. I don't know what he was trying to do, but I know he was trying to do something. So we're just going to shut that down and move on. Ariana, we also see her new boyfriend, Daniel. Um, Schwartz has dyed his hair crisis blonde. 
There seems to be a love triangle between Katie and Schwartz over a woman that we have not met, but she did have pink highlights. And I think Katie said, may the best man win. And I hope it's her. Um, Schwartz also seems to be dating Spooky Joe, but also wanted to keep her, you know, in the ether where, where all the ghosts are. Because I think at one point she was like, are you trying to hide me or are you embarrassing me? And he was like, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true. Anyway, um, then we find out that at some point, at some time in Vegas, Schwartz made out with Sheena. Woo. When did that happen, girl? Rue, when was this? <laughs> oh, we're stressed. We're stressed about that. I did see that um, Sheena responded on Danny Pellegrino's Instagram saying that it's not what you think it is, but I mean, she did say they made out, so I don't know what else it could be. I don't know, but I'm, I'm excited and I'm sad for that story. Um, what else? Oh, exactly what I predicted happened. Mm. Lala seems to be coming off real jealous saying, um, Ariana got cheated on and now she's like God or something to that effect. I find Lala. <laughs> How do I say that? Because I can't even explain why I'm like trying to be nice about this without like saying stuff. But I tried to be fair. to I tried to give Lala a chance. But I think she's a person that I feel deep down that she always in is, which is a hater and a friend to no one. I think that she always will, like, do what benefits her. I don't really know if Lala truly knows what genuine friendship is. She, It's not giving. Liz Bentley and I had a conversation about this once, and she really, like, so succinctly put something into perspective where she said something like, I don't trust people who don't have long-term friendships, at, like, as adults. And it really, like, because something about that, and I'm not, I'm not talking about people who just, like, I'm talking about people who are constantly falling out with people, you know? There's something to that. There's a way that when you are able to cultivate and maintain years long relationships that you just know how to navigate interactions with people very differently and communicate with them very differently. There is a more volatile nature to people who are constantly in flux with people, beefing with people and things of that nature. And so I'm saying without seeing the full context of it, what I thought was going to be happening is that Lala was going to see all these, uh, appearances and endorsements and sponsorships that Ariana got and thought, why not me? Why I got cheated on. Why is Uber? Well, you were actually in that commercial. So I get, can't use that example. Why am I not getting the accolades and whatever? And it's like, girl, spoiler alert. First of all, nobody's gotten the, the type of, um, um, you know, blessings that Ariana has gotten. Because it's a very unique situation, a lightning in a bottle situation. So I really don't feel like it's worth anybody to compare what happened to her with what might be going on in your life or somebody else's life or another Bravo Lebs life or whatever. I just don't think it's worth it because you're just going to end up getting pissed off. 
But my thing is, because I heard that Lala went on Stassi's podcast like a few months ago and they both said something like, you know, like, it was basically just like, why not us? Like, oh, is it because we're not nice or because of whatever that we don't get these opportunities? Like, girls, all y'all, all y'all, myself included, ate off of Scandival, okay? All, all of us. Send it to Daryl. Got you that house in Palm Springs. So why don't we just chill out and just all count our blessings and keep it pushing instead of being like, look at what happened to her and look at all the opportunities she gets. Like, that's some hater shit. I I really believe that. (laughs) And it's not because I like Ariana. It's not because I dislike Lala. I think these are just like, it just, Lala's always like this. And that's what just irks me. And I wish... People would realize that, that Lala's a friend to no one. No one. Okay. With that, let's talk about Southern hospitality because I'm trying to push and get you guys pushed on this. I think it's good. I think we've got a hell of a season two on our hands. So I'm just going to share my very quick thoughts. Lev is whack, I fear. Okay. I, I hate to start off so strong, but I think she might be whack. Now that I've seen, now Southern Charm, she's been on a few seasons, season one of Southern Hospitality, it just gets worse. And so there's no other other word that I can give for her. Just whack. Fortunately for Leva, we've got this new CEO named uh, Leah. She is significantly worse and more unlikable than Leva happens to be. And she does this irksome thing where she, like, takes her job way too seriously, like Dwight from The Office. She keeps calling Republic, which is the our setting. It's our sir in Charleston for all of us. Republic Garden and Lounge, which is its full Christian name. But the way she says it, it's just like, shut up. Well, we don't we don't do this at Republican Garden Lounge. We have a, a code of ethics at Republic Garden Lounge. We we have a, a no drinking policy at Republic Garden and Lounge. Like she just has that ugh that like y'all ever been to a job where you're like chilling, things are good, there's not a lot of overhead, you're not really being micromanaged like that, and you're like, oh, I'm fine. Maybe this isn't the best job for me, but like I can just get my work done and go. Like nobody bothers me. And then all of a sudden you get new management and they want to implement all these bullshit regulations that are like such a waste of time because you guys all have a good thing going. And then they want to put on a pantsuit and play Bobby Big Boys. And it's annoying and because now you got to run through all this red tape. That's what Leah is like. That's the energy. It's like, oh, you new manager. Oh, we were having so much fun or maybe we weren't, but at least I was getting through the day. But now I got to do all this stuff. That's what Leah is. That's what Leah is. Whack. Whack. So, the premiere of season one, we find out that Mikkel, a gay black gentleman, had gotten fired from VIP hosting because he dared to cross the line and do promo for another bar in Charleston. So what Leva makes him do is grovel to get his job back and basically make him shovel shit and be like the bar back in order for him to like crawl back up to VIP person. It's humiliating. I was deeply uncomfortable with it last season. And so to come on to this season where we find out that Leva has fired another person of color 
for something that everybody else does and that there's no chance at retribution, although I think she may be able to go back. I'm like, Leva, did you think about this? Now, I do know that Leva went on Instagram and was like denying all of this and was saying like, this is not what the situation is. They're in the wrong. We'll talk about that in a second. But it just, again, if I'm getting a feeling and it ain't good, that's just the feeling I'm going to have to work with, okay? Until I, until I see otherwise. That's my third eye. Sorry. So Lucia, we find out, okay, here's my thing. I've never worked at like a, in a nightclub, bar, restaurant type of situation. But what I do know is that Leva says I was really loose and whatever with my staff for years. And then she implemented a no drinking policy. Apparently they caught Lucia drinking in the freezer or whatever. She had been working for Leva for seven years, had never gotten so much as a warning, and then was fired without notice, even though everybody says up and down in this episode, we've all drank on the clock. And actually, it's making our job much harder and a lot more boring now that we're not able to do it, not able to take shots with our clientele. I imagine this is probably like... I guess just in my no knowledge point of view, I'm thinking if you have like, like Vanderpump, Lisa Vanderpump created sort of a Disneyland with Sir Tom, Tom, um, pump where you could kind of expect to at least see Peter, you know, and he could probably take a shot with you. And I'm assuming that this is kind of what Leva wants to do at Republic where you people are going to come because they've seen the show and they want to see Joe Bradley. They want to see um, Maddie, whatever, and want to take a shot with them. And now they're not going to be able to do that. Now, I imagine from like a um, with liability standpoint, this is probably the smartest thing. But I think from a, a different standpoint, this feels like whack. I, I, I really don't know what to say. Um, but Lucia gets fired. She's devastated. Everybody's like, damn, that really sucks for her because we're, we're definitely still drinking. And also, there's a new guy named Oshin who was drinking in this episode, and they have to tell him, drinking on the clock, hey, we can't drink anymore. And he's like, oh, okay, well, this is like something that I'm used to doing at the restaurants that I work in, but okay. So they don't fire Oshin. What we do get is a pretty wild scene where Maddie and Mia overhear Leva and Leah talking about Lucia because Lucia decides to come to Republic during working hours to try to get her job back. So they see her on the security camera and they're talking about how she left. Maddie and Mia overhear, they're like listening at the door and they well, Mia confronts Leva. So they're talking about Lucia getting fired and Leva makes mention of how she had brought Lucia back after being on leave. And Mia's like, maternity leave? And Leva says, yeah. And she goes, so you brought her back after she had a baby and you're acting like that's special would have actually probably been illegal for you to not bring her back after that. But okay, 
<laughs> it seems like you're getting off on a technicality. So Leva's like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and so Mia straight up is like, I just feel like these practices are pretty hypocritical. And, you know, because everybody drinks. Well, who drinks? Well, I've drank. Okay, well, you're fired then. So Leva just fires Mia on the spot. And I, I listen, I think a lot of people were like, oh, Leva really ate that. And like, mm, not really. Why would Mia give up her job like that for somebody else? Well, Mia has a nine to five job. It seems like she works in finance or something. She probably just doesn't really need the money at Republic. I think she said in season one, rather, that she was going to Republic and was like, well, I'm here so much. I might as well just put on a tiny little dress and make some money. So she doesn't really need this job. And also she probably wanted to be on the show, you know, like, let's be real. But a queen was ascending to the throne, a grand supreme rose in her taking the L on that. And also in the aftermath being like, maybe I should feel bad, but I don't. I said what I said and I'm standing on business. And I shout out to Mia. I actually DM'd her about that. And I was like, you ate that girl. (laughs) You are a good friend, a very good friend. Um, back to what Leva said on Instagram, honestly, like I kind of couldn't follow it because the grammar wasn't that great. I'm like, no, low key, like maybe we could have done a second reading on that. But anyway, she said at one point, something along the lines of this is not a woman's empowerment moment. Like what you guys are getting on the show is not the full story, which if you're going to say this is not a moment of women's empowerment, I'm already out. I'm like, oh, yikes. I'm already not on your side for that, but nice try, Leva. Maddie. Maddie is our star of the show. Maddie is something, I'm going to put you guys on to a term, a laryngitis girl. Mad, a laryngitis girl is a girl who loves hard and she yells harder. And she's all in on a relationship that is probably not healthy and good for her. But she's not going to find that out until much later, Right? She's always fighting, fighting for herself, advocating for herself. And we get the drama and they're great for television. So who are other laryngitis girls? Tinsley, now that she got married to that man from Augusta, I would say is a retired laryngitis girl, but you know the vibes. Like picture Tinsley and Dale in that bridal shop before she was even engaged to Scott crying over the eggs that she had frozen because she needed to pay the bill. Looking at the eggs on her phone and crying to Dale. That's a laryngitis girl. Um, Bria from Summer House Martha's Vineyard. Laryngitis girl. I did a little uh, thread on this on Twitter. I'm going to add to it. though. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, 
That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If we're going to regular, not regular, OG uh, Summer House, we're going to go with, um, you're thinking I'm going to say Lindsay. It's actually Sam. Think about that, okay? Lindsay is her own category, okay? Southern Charm. Interesting. Season five is the best season because we had two laryngitis girls in Catherine Dennis and Ashley, whatever her name is, the girl who was dating Thomas after Catherine and Thomas had those two babies. It's very rare for two laryngitis girls to exist in the same space, which is why that season was so good. Because you got like two, two different types of crazy and passionate fighting over one man. Incredible. Incredible work. So Maddie is our resident laryngitis girl of Southern hospitality. I say all that to say. She's still with this loser named Trevor who cheated on her last season, but they got back together. He does like pedicabs. Or something. Girl. (laughs) Girl. She is down so bad for Trevor. They live together. They're like having, you know, their little Susie homemaker breakfast. And she's like, you're the best man I've ever known. There's no way I can never go. No, 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 no way. There's no way I'm not living without you, okay? Until she finds out that he cheated on her. So... Here's the other thing, is that all throughout the premiere, they're all talking about how Maddie has basically shirked her responsibilities at Republic Garden Lounge because of Trevor. She's down bad, so bad for this man that she basically just, like, does whatever he needs to do and is living her life for him. Brad, not Joe Bradley. Joe Bradley also said something that made me douche chill so hard that I still haven't recovered, In this whole thing about no longer drinking at Republic Garden Lounge, Joe Bradley, who's like trying to be the cool guy, like he wears a blazer, everybody thinks he's like he's giving very like Vegas lounge guy, like Peter, but cooler. Um, I don't even know if that's true, but he says at one point, I'm Joey Bottles, and I can't lose that. Ew. (laughs) Ew. This is also the guy that Danielle is allegedly dating. Uh, Danielle from Winterhouse, Summerhouse. Joe Bradley has come out with two different interviews in which he talks about this relationship with Danielle, which seems to consist of they met each other at BravoCon. They fucked. She invited him to New York while she was filming Watch What Happens Live. So they fucked then. And then after the Winter House reunion, she was going to come down to Charleston. I'm assuming to fuck. But he acts like, oh, I'm really into older women. And I'm really like a serious relationship. And all these things where I'm like, okay, listen, we've seen Danielle on TV. But what you're doing is actually more embarrassing. And if I were Danielle, I'd be like, girl, run. Because why are you doing two interviews about us? We're barely even a situationship. You're telling everybody that you've been inside me twice and you can't wait to do it again. (laughs) You're getting a little too excited, my boy. And I just don't know. 
that would be a lot to handle if I were Danielle, but whatever. So that's Joe Bradley. Then there's Brad. He is the personal trainer to the locals of uh, Charleston. And he just conveniently... Now, in season one, Brad had a girlfriend. Maddie was kind of leading the charge, saying that he had cheated on that girlfriend. And she knew it. Everybody knew it. And it really got Brad into a tizzy. Which brings us to this, where he brings this client on camera to tell him, oh, um, is Maddie still dating Trevor? Because I made out with him the other day and we've been texting and he's really cool. Like, do you know him? Oh yeah, that's Maddie's boyfriend. They live together. What? I cannot believe that. We are definitely have hooked up. And here are the screenshots of the conversation we've had after we made out at the bar. And it's definitely very familiar not overly flirtatious but like hey still hung over from last night like yeah we should kick it again you know like obviously a man who's not purporting himself to be in a relationship a live-in relationship with his girlfriend so he takes that information and runs right back to republic garden and lounge to tell maddie on sunday which is their like party outdoor lounge day hey um did you know that your man's cheating on you He's, he made out with a girl. Um, no, Trevor told me everything about what happened that night. We have a very honest and truthful situation. I'm not worried about that. He didn't. Okay, well, I have these screenshots that definitely confirm that they were flirting. No. No. I have to leave. I have to leave. No, why did Maddie take a shovel? <laughs> Maddie went so fast to go to her car took a shovel on the way out from Republic Garden and Lounge. That really made me laugh. Not a pointed shovel. Not the ones that are, like, pointed at the end. Just, like, the flat one. <laughs> like, babe, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? I don't think that's your shovel. Because why would you bring a shovel to work and need to bring it back? So she, she and the shovel and her vape are just, like, huffing away. The camera person's in the passenger seat... As she's, like, talking to herself, she's going up to their house, and she tries to open the door. Now, the windows are, like, the blinds are open, so clearly Trevor saw or heard that she was coming and locked the door. So she's trying to get in, and is like, yo, what the fuck? He, Trevor, opens the door just to crack and goes, you can come in, but they can't. Like, the cameras can't come in. <laughs> so she's screaming, Trevor, I loved you. I don't think I could share a bed with you tonight. <laughs> Trevor. And he's like, don't make any big decisions right now. Okay. Like, that's not true. Like, he's doing a very poor job at saying that he did not make out with this chick. It's not working. Nobody's convinced. I love you, Trevor. Ah! Ah! And that's the end of Southern Hospitality. I loved it. I loved it. And I can't wait to see what happens. All right. With that, you guys, we're going to end with the recap of There's Plasto. just things I'm not okay with. The children that I raise growing up to think and believe. It's a matter of principle to me. I'm the kid of two people whose principles matter more than a relationship with their daughter. And I will be 
damned if I repeat that. All right, let's end this with our final episode of Plathville. A week late. <laughs> but here, there was stuff to talk about, so we're going to get into it. So last week we had a, I don't know if you could call it a to be continued, but we left off with Mariah and Ethan finally speaking face-to-face after like nine months, right? So Mariah says, it's pretty clear that I couldn't have a relationship with the family and also a good relationship with Olivia. And I have to appreciate Ethan in this moment. Like, he will throw Olivia under the bus a lot, but in this case, he put his foot down, okay? And I appreciated that. So Ethan tells Mariah, I'm your older brother, and I remember everything that happened. And there was a period in your life from the time you were basically a young teenager until you moved in with me and Olivia that you had a very real problem with our mom that had nothing to do with Olivia. That was before Olivia even came into the picture. And you and Olivia actually bonded over the mutual issues that y'all had with Kim. Ethan says in a confessional that the one thing that he finds really frustrating is the constant scapegoating about it always being Olivia's fault. And he doesn't know if Mariah's really taking responsibility for her part in all of that, especially with regard to the early days. So he tells Mariah... To me, it feels like at least 50-50 between you and Olivia with regard to your feelings, right? Mariah's like, well, I'm not saying that, but at the same time, I've also never heard anything positive from Olivia about her family. And then when she started speaking up, she didn't have a relationship anymore because that's what it was built on. So Ethan's like, yeah, but it seems like you had a problem with mom. You and Olivia bonded over that. But now you just want to blame Olivia completely for that situation. Mariah always changes the goalposts. Like when she gets called out for something, it's always like, oh, no, 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 that's not really what I meant. Like I blame myself more than anything, more than I blame Olivia. But it's like, no, you don't. (laughs) You only said that because Ethan said it. I mean, she said during that uh, horrible circus song that she wants to, like, let go of all of this. But I feel like, here's the thing. She also says it in this in, in this episode. Something about, like, oh, you know, I, I just want to, like, let go of all the drama and stuff like that. Which is what people who start the drama say. Like, yeah, of course you want to let it go now because it's run its course and you're over it. But you were perfectly fine running in the muck and the mire when it looked good for you or so you thought now you you want to exit stage left and I don't think that this is like truth and time tells all Justin Bobby style I think this is like oh I like put my flag down on some bullshit that maybe had an ounce of truth to it or even a couple of ounces of truth but then I wanted to blame everybody else And not, uh, you know, tap into my responsibility and all of that. But now that people are going to hold my feet to the fire, I want to act like I'm above this now and I don't want to deal with it. It's annoying. (laughs) Mariah says in a confessional that when she was 16, she basically didn't want anything to do with her family. That's around the time that she met Olivia. But she also has the right to turn around and say, hey, this is not the direction that I want to go in. And we can just go our separate ways and that's okay. Sure. Sure, but it's you're making a big fuss to get to that conclusion. 
So Mariah then tells Ethan, well, if I was ever in a position where my future husband had to choose between me and his family, then I would probably think that he's just not my person. And so Ethan's like, yeah, in a perfect world, sure. But when you fall in love with somebody and you make that commitment to them and the commitment of marriage comes before either of your families on either side. So Mariah's like, well, you can't lie. Olivia definitely pulled you away from everybody. It's like, here we go again. Ethan says in a confessional, obviously Mariah's never been married, okay? But she's acting like it. And this is a great offense that basically he's choosing Olivia over them, but that's only true to a certain extent. So then Mariah says something about how Olivia needs to be respectful. (laughs) To which Ethan says, but you accused her of lying. And now you want to talk about how she has to be respectful. That is not respectful. And of course, Mariah's like, well, I, I actually didn't know what happened. And I don't know, like, if she was stealing from me or not. But all I knew was that I had an account and my music wasn't in there. And I thought for sure that I had access to it. And then I freaked out. And, you know, I tried to reach out to Olivia and she left me on red. Girl. I don't want to hear it, okay? You're saying that you put your music out there into the ether. How long has her music been out? Several months before she had any issues. Maybe probably even more than a year before she had issues with Olivia. And you weren't sure that entire time you did no due diligence at that point up until that point, until you felt some type of way, and then you flipped out, and you thought that you knew things that you didn't, and you're blaming everybody else again. So then, Ethan says to Mariah, okay, well, how about two days before we left for Europe, you and Olivia, I remember, were in the kitchen, standing by the laptop, and she gave you the password. And Mariah says, that never happened. And then she says in a confessional that she does not remember anything like that. And if Olivia had given her the password, she would have written it down somewhere. Y'all remember what I said about my theory that she probably wrote it down, didn't think anything of it, didn't think about, um, you know, like a case sensitive, blah, 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 probably wrote it down very sloppily. And then was like, huh, what is this? Locked her ass out of her own account and then blamed Olivia for it. I'm like 97% sure this is what happened. Then she says in a confessional, sorry, Ethan says in a confessional, this is like very irritating to him because there has to be a point, there was a point where Olivia was actually falling behind on her own business to help Mariah over and over and over again. This was like a consistent situation. So then basically Mariah admits to like writing and this, what she calls a, a relatively threatening letter, which was legal action against Olivia and how she knows it wasn't the right thing to do. But at the same time, Olivia wasn't speaking to her. So Ethan's like, listen, he says in a confessional, he explains that Mariah sent a text threatening legal action against he and Olivia. And it still really makes him sick how absurd and ridiculous that whole thing was. And I just like, I, I would have giggled so hard because do you think that she actually went through the proper legal channels or do we think that she, um, maybe like Googled 
a cease and desist letter <laughs> and then just kind of copy pasted it and tailored it to the situation because I, I, I feel like that's probably what happened. So finally, finally, Mariah says that she apologized for overreacting. Just, just a blanket. I overreacted. And he goes, I guess I forgive you for that. You know, and maybe I apologize for in the past involving you in things that you shouldn't have been involved in. Right. So then Mariah's like, oh, great. We're talking about Olivia again. I'm going to use this to blame her. So she says, well, I'm really sorry that your marriage sucks or something of that nature. And he's like, well, that's really easy for you to say when you didn't lose anything. And he explains that in their early days of what should have been their like period of honeymoon, newlywed bliss, there was all this drama between Olivia and Kim, and that basically affected the mood in their home and the beginning of their relationship. Only then does Mariah say that she feels bad about putting him in that place or, or her responsibility in that and tells Ethan, okay, well, I can be civil with Olivia. Can you? Because you just wrote a song called Circus. So I don't know if that's true. And you wanted to play it for Ethan, which I, I have imagined you were like, mm, maybe this is not the time. <laughs> maybe he's not going to connect to the messaging at this point. <sighs> what happened? Like, I really, I want to go easy on Mariah because she's only 20. But man, she's really irks. There's nothing I can do about that. You know, when the whackness emanates from within... Who are we to, to try and change that? At the end of this conversation, Ethan says that, not to Mariah, he just kind of says this in a confessional, that he wishes that Olivia and Mariah would make up, but there's bigger fish to fry at this point. Like, he and Olivia are about to break up, so whatever's going on or whatever sort of reconciliation that could happen between a lot, Olivia and Mariah is a secondary or even third priority at this point. So it, then we head back to Cairo. The little girls are doing gymnastics in the living room, and Lydia's doing her best work in her favorite room, as we know, the prayer closet, where, you know, a lot of the, there's a lot of, uh, what do you call it, um, post-its and scraps of paper with prayers and well wishes to Daddy Jesus, and a lot of it's misspelled, and that's unfortunate. But she's there. She's there. <laughs> the fact that she has a picture of Ethan and Olivia from their wedding day in the prayer closet. <laughs> we we don't talk about that enough. But this is like a sad day because they're about to move out of that house. And no, you know, I don't think the second place that they're moving to has a prayer closet, which is a shame. It really, really is. So Lydia is telling us about all the wonderful things that have happened in that prayer closet. <laughs> I'm sure, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and how this has been like a refuge for her, you know, given everything that's going on with the Plath family. And then she starts to giggle and she's like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. There's like a whole lot I want to say. And well, I've actually been dating somebody for quite a while and we met through mutual friends and it's just sweeter than I could have asked for or thought of or dreamed of. And it's more beautiful than I could imagine. We do see, like, engagement-style pictures, you know, a classic southern girl where they're outside a barn, you know, like, the, the photographer's on one side of the barn, they're on the other one, and, you know, the light's all nice, and it's fall, just, like, 
you know, are your classic basic Southern lady engagement pictures. Now, I don't think they're engaged, but they did take the pictures. This does seem very official. I know I said on Reality Gaze with Poodle that that uh, Lydia had a George Glass boyfriend, and I think she's now got another one because we only see the back of him, and he's like very obscure, far away, out of focus pictures of him. But he seemed tall. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And Caucasian. And that's really all I can say. <laughs> she seems very happy, but she basically says that they wanted to keep it under wraps, um, you know, until they really made their solid foundation within their relationship. So will we see him next season? Will we see a face? I don't know. But Lydia's getting dick down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Real in a in a spiritual way, she is getting dicked down, and we're happy for her. Like, let's celebrate that, shall we? Let's celebrate that. I also need like if we're gonna move into a next season of Plathville, we're gonna have to find a way to integrate Lydia's life in a way that's not like every episode. It's like, here's Lydia. Okay, bye. Here she is again. Okay, bye. Lydia. Okay, bye. And then, <laughs> it just feels very disjointed. But anyway. The family's still in Malibu, right? They're running up that hill, Kate Bush style, hiking, pretending to be close now and giggling and merrymaking around each other because Ethan is now at least making eye contact with Mariah. And that's quite literally the very base point of what you need for the Plath family to pretend like everything's okay. As long as you guys can be in a room and not be actively antagonistic toward each other, we're fine. This is a great family. I love this. <laughs> this is where Mariah says that she doesn't, she's not the kind of person to be in the drama. And so she wants to stop it. Uh, you're not? Okay, well, what season of Plathville are we on? Because we have not seen footage not found of you not wanting to be dramatic, Mariah. But okay. Then we have to listen to her new song, Circus, which is like, you're not Britney, girl. And I don't need to hear this again. Barry has to go back to finalize the divorce, and Ethan has to go back to Minnesota to begin his divorce, basically. So we go back home to Cairo. Barry's showing the girls some old family photos. Oh, this really killed me. Amber asked the producer, what's the difference between a regular photo and a Polaroid? Because I don't know that. I thought Gen Z was into Polaroids. 
And like, we're back into film, right? Don't hurt my feelings like this, Amber. I know she's very young, but I'm young too, okay? <laughs> this is like, I'm 37, you guys. This is the, that now I'm finding that weird part where I'm like, not a girl, not yet a woman. Like, I know I'm a woman and I have been, but I, I'm not old enough. I feel to see a whole teenager be like, what is this? I don't know what this is. <laughs> like, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> I'm only 18, you know, <laughs> and I don't like it. I don't, I'm not loving it. I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, it stings a little to be this age. And like, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm fine. But it's moments like that where I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> hurts. I don't love it. So we're going to move on because that did hurt my feelings, honestly. <laughs> so let's go to Kim. Kim and Isaac come over. Isaac's now growing out his hair. Who It was just under the baseball bat, so we didn't get a full view of it. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. But they go over to help Kim get her stuff. The divorce, like we said, is almost finalized. So they're just dividing up that property because they're selling the house. Kim actually tells us she does not want to sell that house. But Barry's like all business. He's all about the dollar dollar bill, y'all. You know, he's got to keep himself laced in all his drip and his um, blue suede shoes and, and the rhinestone so he can go tippy dancing on, on Santa Monica Boulevard. You know, he's got a lot, a lot of bills to pay. Okay. But Kim's like, I really don't want to sell this house. But on the other hand, I've got a bunch of bad memories. So, you know, might as well. Kim does say that things are better than last week, I guess, with she and Barry, because they can tolerate each other. So, it's just onward and upward, right? So, they ask Barry at a confessional, if one day Kim was to say to you, I think I made a mistake, is there a chance that we can reconcile? And he said he does not have an answer to that question. Now, I, I don't really, like, keep up with the plaths. So I don't know what's going on in real time unless, you know, Kim gets another mugshot. But are Kim and Ken still together? Because I did hear that they, by they I mean Barry and Kim, wish each other a happy anniversary recently. Which seems like not something you would do if you guys are actively divorced. So I have questions. But I also, like, don't care enough to look. <laughs> I'll wait for the surprise next season, you know. So they get along for like 30 seconds until there's some miscommunication over a train set where it seems like both of their parents, Kim's stepdad and Barry's parents, gave the kids different train... <sighs> this is so boring. <laughs> they gave the kids different train sets over the years and they were confused as to who gave it to the kids. Ultimately, we find out both of their parents did... And so they divide up which one Kim's stepdaddy gave and which one Barry's parents gave to the kids. And then I looked at the kit and I'm thinking, why are we fighting over this? I, I, you know, I know very little about train sets, but I feel like the ones that retain their value are like the wooden ones, not just like the plastic ones that they got from Walmart or like a hobby store. I, maybe I'm wrong. It just didn't seem worth holding on to this old plastic train set that you got in like 1998 uh, maybe I'm wrong though I don't know glad you got it 
don't care. They do kind of wrap up the Plath family storylines here where Isaac is talking about how he's about to graduate and he wants to go to a four-year school. And I'm thinking, ooh, I hope your education was significantly better than your older siblings because I don't want to knock a dream. I don't want to burst the bubble, baby. But I just, can you type? Can you type proficiently? Can you navigate the internet? Because your older siblings can't. And this is not me making fun of them. I actually think that's like terrifying and, and child abuse to not set up your children for success in that way and have them be in 2023, have no computer skills whatsoever. But I just, maybe we do a community college and then we go to a state school. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe we go to like the local and then we go to Georgia Southern after that. And that's fine. Georgia's, I know a lot of people who have great jobs who graduated from Georgia Southern. I think that's a really good fit for him. Anyway, um, that's the end of Isaac's storyline. Kim says that all of the younger kids have met Airplane Ken. And she's still considering moving in with him. So we'll see. So Kim leaves the family house with all the kids because they now have custody like one week on, one week off. And then they make Barry do this emotional speech about like where he is now in his life. And, and, you know, it's like divorce is like a death. That's basically what he's been saying. And I, and I'm just like putting my stakes into the, the girls and blah, blah, blah. And then it seems like they try to make him get emotional, but <laughs> it's like, like he's almost crying, but the, all he can do is just kind of make a face that makes him look extremely nervous and they linger on that face for quite a while. And I'm like, I don't know what we were supposed to take from that. It's weird. Also, I don't really want to look at Barry that up close for that many seconds in a row. So can we move on? Yes. So then we get to the real mess. A screen pops up and says, Ethan and Olivia returned to Minnesota from their trips because she was in Italy. This is the first time they're sitting down to speak about their marriage since returning home. So they're sitting on a little love seat. If Ironically... As soon as I saw how sharp Olivia's winged eyeliner was, I'm like, oh, she's done. Done, done. The, the flick of the wrist, she's like, mm-mm, this is over. <laughs> this is O-V-E-R. So the producer asks him, where do you guys stand now? Where do you both stand now? And Olivia says, when I think of a long-term relationship, not only to survive, it needs to have two people growing together. But in my ideal world, it would also involve a family. And I think when we finally got honest about kids and we actually talked about it, I think I started to be honest with myself about a lot of other things. So Ethan looks over at her and says, what other things? And Olivia says, well, about how you treat me. I just know that that's not how I wanted to be treated in a relationship. Things like honesty and communication have been issues with us from the very beginning we separated once before for those things, and at this point, I'm just being honest with myself that I don't really want to continue these patterns for years. So then Ethan's like, oh, what are the things that could be done on your end to make this work? Because I think they would be like to maybe go back and try to mend your relationships with your family and, you know, maybe try to get back to some of the roots and values that were instilled in you. <sighs> And then he says, I think that maybe you were searching for something that you haven't found and maybe you're trying to replace that. And I don't know if there is a replacement. So Olivia says, 
you want me to have faith in the world that I grew up in, but that was a world built for men that worked for men. And then to tell me that I need to go back to a culture and a faith and a belief that told me that I was worth nothing without a husband and that in a relationship, I just need to submit and say yes and cook three meals a day and praise God and it would all be fine. I don't think you understand the privilege you have to look at me and tell me that I need to go back to that because it served you. (laughs) Tens, tens, tens across the board for you, Olivia. Tens across the board. So then Ethan says, well, there are rules and a man that has roles that they're different from what the roles a woman plays. And that's natural and inherent in us. And the whole cooking three meals a day, that's one of the only keys to a man's heart. When was the last time you cooked a meal? I will take you by your very blonde hair and swing you around like a helicopter talking to me. When was the last time you cooked a meal? Ah! Ew! Ugh! Oh my God. Olivia says, I can't go back to who I was when I was 20. I don't believe it's a female chore to keep a husband happy. So I don't want to perpetuate that in my home. And then she says, I would actually probably love to cook if that cooking was met with any sort of appreciation of like, wow, thank you. I'll cook in the future, but I appreciate you doing this for me. But the way it's been presented is like, If I don't cook, then I love you less. You see how that would make me not want to do it? So Ethan's like, well, that's, this is not how I ever wanted the marriage to end up, but maybe that was the gamble of getting married so young. And then he says that regardless of all that, I'm glad we did it. And I would do it again because it was a very special time in my life. And then he says, but you've changed. And I've changed in a reaction to your change. Now, one thing about me is that I'm always saying, I'm not behaving this way because I want to. It's a reaction to your bad behavior, sir. And I believe that to be true when I say it. It's not really ringing true with Ethan. And I'm not saying that possibly both were in denial and need to look at that. But I'm saying one of us does. And it's not me. So, there's that. So after that, Ethan tries to hit Olivia with, well, these aren't my rules. As in, like, these are God's rules. Like, I don't want to enforce this, but this is just the rule of Jesus or whatever. But then he says, I don't feel like my personal beliefs will let me get to where you are and bring kids into the situation because we're not compatible Olivia says, I don't see a future with you if you don't appreciate my values. And also you have said that you don't want to have kids with me. And so Ethan's like, well, it's a matter of principle to me. And Olivia says, but I'm the child of two people whose principles matter more than their relationship with their daughter. And I'll be damned if I repeat that. And then she says that it hurts That Ethan basically made a choice for the both of them not to be together, but also she does think that it's the right choice. So the season 
ends with a producer asking them if they still love each other. And they're kind of like looking at each other, waiting to see who's going to answer first. So Olivia takes it and she says, I love you as a person. I think we're not right as romantic partners for each other, but I still love you and I want the best for you. And then at this point, Ethan's getting all red as he tends to do. And he's like, well, I still love you very much. And the producer says, well, that sounds really final. And they both nod. And then the screen goes black again and says, shortly after this interview, Ethan and Olivia decided to finalize their divorce. Woo, or file for divorce. Would have been good if I'd read that right. (laughs) But that's it. I think that's it in Plathville. I don't think there's a reunion or a tell-all, but... A good season. A good season overall. If you forget about the glaring omission that Kim drove drunk and ended up in a ditch over the summer. Other than that, great season. All right, you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.